Everything in our culture says we can do it by ourselves. But what if we choose to let our performances die, our dreams die, expand our comfort zones, and venture into the depths of the unknown? True peace and freedom comes when we die to self and let Christ live in us. In this series, we'll discover that at the end of me is where real life begins. So prepare your heart for a word from God about what happens when we come to the end of me. Good morning, man. Sound like we were in the club up in here this morning, church. Having a little dance. We get a little Holy Ghost in here. Some of you might be dancing a little bit. However, I've seen some of you dance, and I would prefer you not do that at this church because it may be offensive to some people. Hey, well, man, we are so glad that you're here again this morning. So grateful for the life change that we're celebrating. We are starting a new series this morning called End of Me. And this morning, as you read this title, I want to talk to you about this idea. I want you to read it two ways. First way I want you to read it is God's not for you. But then I want you to notice the word in parentheses that God's not just for you because God is for you. Amen. He sent his son to the cross, but he's not just for you. He's for the whole world. See, I think a lot of times when we think of Christianity, we think localized. Like this morning, you may just be focused on this particular location, this message, and you should be doing that. But I think what Jesus calls us to do, instead of thinking locally, we've got to be thinking globally. And so God is for you, but he's not just for you. And the whole idea behind this series is that we're going to be praying. uh, I'm praying that, that God will help us get out of the way of our own selves, that we'll just come to the end of me and we'll see that real life begins there, that we'll venture into the depths that are unknown, that we'll quit working on performances and trying to earn his love and realize that it's just grace. I about fell off the stage just then. <laughs> I got it though, I got it. We'll realize that if we will just open up ourselves, basically if we will die to ourselves and let Christ live in us, that maybe at the end of me is where real life begins. Now, just hypothetically, I want to ask you some questions. I don't want you to raise your hand. I want you, if you identify with what I'm speaking, I want you just to talk internally and say, that's me. There are many hindrances that cause us to be, feel, feel separated from God. There's a, a lot of things that we go through that often cause us to not really experience all that God wants for us. And I, I want to tell somebody this morning that God wants you to experience his fullness, but you may have to get out of the way you may have to get out of the way of your own self. And so there again, don't raise your hand. Just if that's you, say that's me. Maybe some of you this morning, the biggest thing that you need to get rid of is your pride. For some of you, it's the exact opposite. It's insecurity. You wonder how could God love you? How could God use you to make a difference? The flip side of that is pride. You feel like you're too good to pick up a piece of trash. You feel like you're too good to go out and share your faith. Some of you this morning, you need to come to the end of your finances. You're so financially strapped that you want to be generous. You wanted to give when the offering was going around, but you're strapped. And you know if you give anything, it's going to hurt you. Some of you, what needs to happen is you need to remove the religion from yourself. You're so religious I had a guy come here one time. We used to, for those of you who don't know, if you're a first time guest, we're glad you're here, by the way. We, this is where we started, September 7th, 2014. Who was at that service? Amen. They're all, everybody in the front's like, no, but they're all behind you. There's, there are people here. This is where we started. We met here for a year and we 
meet down at Clinton High School. But I'll never forget this guy came walking in one morning, and I could just tell, like, you know, I could just tell, like, he was, like, a little anxious, not really sure what he thought about everything, because it is different meeting in a school, but we're okay with that. And we're okay with it because we don't have a mortgage. I mean, we pay rent, but we don't have a big mortgage, you know what I mean? So it's all good. It's all good. But he comes in, he says, so uh, what church is this? And I said, well, it's City Lots Church. And he was actually looking for another church in the area. And so he says, well, what religion are you, sir? And I know what he meant by that because that's our culture. And when we say religion, we mean what denomination, what do you believe? But honestly, it's so much more than that. So I replied back, we don't really believe in religion. And his eyes got like this big right here, like, like come on in here, there's going to be snakes and we're going to be dancing around, bonfires. And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, simply, we think that Jesus is greater than religion. And so some of you this morning, you got to get some legalism out of your way. You focus more on the way things are done than the way himself. So what is it that you need to come to the end of this morning to experience the fullness of Christ? What we'll see then is I think, listen, everybody in here, you should know this, regardless of what you're going through, and just so we can make sure we're on the same page, we're all going through things in here. The problem with humanity is we look this way and compare ourselves to each other. And so therefore, just because I'm not struggling with addiction, my problem is not as bad as yours. But in God's eyes, God's eyes, we are all castaways in need of rope. So what is it that you need to come to the end of this morning? And I want to be honest with you. I'm going to make some statements this morning. I'm going to make some statements over the series that may seem a little heavy. And I need you to understand the difference between conviction of the Holy Spirit and guilt from man. I've not come to bring guilt upon you. In fact, there's no condemnation in Christ. So if Christ won't condemn you, why should I? I've come to bring God's messenger. I've come as God's messenger to bring the good news. But in that, I want to help you get in tension with these things that are preventing you from living the fullness of him. And so one of the greatest things I feel like you could do this morning is just be open-minded to what I'm going to speak. I've prayed this morning. I was up from like 2.30 to 5.30 praying that God would use me to be his voice for this church, particularly this morning. And so what happens then is when we receive the gospel, when we receive the good news, when we receive Jesus, what we see then is the gospel is meant to come to us and then it's meant to go through us. Can you pull that up, please? The gospel was intended to come to you and then through you. But a lot of time what happens is we just receive the gospel and it stops. We begin living in this box and we think we're good. And I, honestly, I don't want to seem like an old, you know, just an old, hateful, young preacher. But a lot of times people, they just check the box. They've come to church this morning. The rest of my week's going to be good. The gospel, listen, its original intention was to come to you, no matter who you are, and then through you. So it's not ever meant to just come to you and stop. It's meant to go through you. You are an ambassador of Christ. Now, here's, here's what I know to be true. There are some of you out here and you're in different places in your relationship with Christ. Maybe some of you don't feel like that you're able to share your faith. Maybe some of you are saying, hey, I'm just here, man. I'm not even sure if I believe in all this Jesus stuff. So chill, bro. If that's you, that's okay as well. 
I'm trying to set there for the standard for what Jesus has for you. If you are in Christ, I'm trying to remind you of what you signed up for. It's meant to come to you and then through you. I think a lot of times I hear this, I don't know how to share my faith, preacher. I'm not good at it. Well, listen, you don't have to have a Bible degree. You don't have to have a, a seminary degree to be able to share your faith. You just tell what God has done for you. I'm reminded of a story in John chapter four, the Samaritan woman. If you grew up in church, maybe you've heard it. If you're not, go back and read John chapter four in the New Testament. This woman goes to the well and basically she has been sleeping with numerous, multiple men. She has no relationship with Jesus. Jesus meets her where she is because that's the God we serve. You can't out his grace. He meets her there and she has this encounter with him. And not only does it change her life, it says she goes back to her village. So she's the first called woman evangelist to the area of Samaria. And she just shares her faith. She says this, Rodney. She tells the people, hey, I don't even, I'm not even really sure who this guy is, but he knows everything about me and he's changed me. Does that sound like hard to do? There's a recent statistic that came out. Listen to this. This is mind-blowing. 90% of people who are Christians, so 90% of you in here who profess to believe in Jesus, you, you do not actively share your faith with someone outside of your family. Nine out of 10 people in here, you don't share your faith. Let me tell you what you do do, though. If you get a new car, you post it on Facebook. If you take your kids like I did to Disney last week, you post it on Facebook. If you go to an amazing restaurant, you check in so everybody can know, right? Yet the only thing that restores humanity to God is the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, and we will not speak about it. Why is it so? This is what I've learned. This is not necessarily true for everybody. But I've learned what we speak less of, we don't really know a lot about. end of me, end of me. God, this morning, help us get to the end of ourselves that you may live in us. There's a really incredible story in the New Testament that I want us to read this morning. I think it's gonna be very relevant and applicable for every person in here. If you don't have a Bible, it's gonna be on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, as you're exiting, we've got a Next Steps table. We would love to give you a free Bible. We've bought them for those who don't have them. There was a time in my life I didn't have one. So if you're here this morning, you don't have a Bible, stop by there and pick it up. It is absolutely free. There is no GPS tracking device in it or anything like that. We just want you to have it. This morning, we're going to be reading from a, the Gospel of Luke. It's in the New Testament. I want to set up what's going on there because we're going to dive right into it. And I'm going to need you to hang with me because, listen, it is, it's 11.06 in the morning. And if it's 11.06 in the morning and we're at church, well, we might as well just have church. Is that okay? I mean, you're already here. You've showed up. We've dunked them in Jesus' name. We've worshiped. And now we continue in worship through the proclamation of God's word. Is it okay if we have church this morning? We're in Luke chapter 14. This is what's happening. Jesus is sitting around the table with a bunch of different men. What I mean by that is the social status, the financial status, because Jesus was always around a bunch of different people. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't hang with just the righteous? He came for the sick who need a doctor. So he's sitting around this, this table and they're sharing a meal together and he begins talking about what it's like to be in the kingdom and he begins talking about like when you're hosting a big banquet and there's two things I want you to see here. It's gonna be talking about inviting people to dinner is the story, it's a parable he's using. But there's two truths we're gonna see. One is that in this, and I'll point them out to you if you can hang with me. 
is that salvation, that is God's saving grace, is for all of humanity, for everyone, for you. We're going to see that salvation is for everyone. And then two, he's going to talk about the type of people that we should invite to church to take our faith to. Okay, salvation is for everyone, the type of people that we should be sharing our faith with. So they're sitting around this table. They've been having conversation. They're asking some questions. And we pick up in our story here, just a little bit into it. You're not gonna miss a whole lot. You can go back and read a little bit before. Uh, Jesus is teaching on who and why to invite to this banquet. Remember again, they're sitting around a meal sharing. So Jesus always speaks in ways that are relevant and applicable to people, right? It made sense that we're having a meal. So he's like, hey, let me tell you this kind of story. This is, I'm so excited to preach this because I, listen, I believe that God's gonna speak to you. He's just been wrestling with me as I've been preparing this. And it's reminded me of some things that I need to get rid of in my own life. This is Luke chapter 14, verse 12. So they're communicating, it says, he, Jesus, he also said to the one who invited him, when you give a lunch or a dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, or your rich neighbors because they might invite you back and you would be repaid. And I think Jesus is saying here, it's easy to do for someone when they can repay you. But it, it takes a little bit more faith to go out and do something for someone that can't do anything for you. Which is basically the picture of salvation. When you fall before the cross, you have nothing to offer him. You can't repay him. The debt's already been paid though, you just receive it. Verse 13, he says, on the contrary, when you host a banquet, when you gather on Sunday morning, if you will, invite those who are poor, maimed, some translations say crippled, lame or blind. Basically, he's saying, invite those who are in need of a savior, because listen, this is the truth. There are, everybody's in need of a savior, but not everybody's ready to receive him in their heart. They're just not. They're just not. You gotta be ready. You gotta be open. So invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind. Can I tell you something this morning? Those four descriptions of people, that's who's sitting here this morning. That's us. We're the poor. You say, no, Brother Peyton, I do pretty, make a pretty good living for myself. Well, maybe spiritually you're poor. On the contrary. See, we have this in our mind that we should be going for a certain easy way of life. But Jesus says, I know that's what you think. But on the flip side, I want to challenge you a little bit more in your faith. Verse 14. Don't miss these first five words. And you will be blessed. Does anybody want to be blessed from God? Would it be okay if his favor fell on you this morning? He says, and you will be blessed. Listen, because, because I love that Jesus, he never makes a statement without ever explaining it. He always explains. He's not the author of confusion. And you will be blessed because, listen, they cannot repay you. When you go out for these people who are drug addicted and they're just, you know, just living in blatant disregard for God's will, you know, I mean, listen, I don't even want to begin categorizing because I may not hit yours and then you'll walk out of here thinking, I'm glad he didn't mention mine or I'm good. But you know what you're going through this morning. You know it and more importantly, God knows it. And Jesus is saying, hey, I need you to go for the most wretched person out there who needs the gospel. That's who I want in my house. And let me tell you something. I've learned very quickly as a young pastor, that's who I want as well, but it's messy. 
you're messy. You're messy. But I am too. So I think that qualifies me to lead you a little bit. It's messy when you get in the gospel like that. Uh, listen to this statistic. 90% of you who, who profess to be a Christian, I'm talking to the audio team, the visual team, everybody back there. You profess with your mouth that you're one thing, but answer in your own mind and heart. When was the last time you shared your faith with someone? Now, for many of you, it was this morning, it was yesterday, and I'm not suggesting that that's everybody, but it says 90% of people. And there again, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. So if you feel like, why is he being so mean? Maybe it's the conviction of the Spirit trying to tell you, hey, wake up and get over yourself. And you will be blessed. I love that. And you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. We live in a society where everything is instantaneous. Jesus here is talking about delayed gratification. You put in the work now, and when you're resurrected and you stand before the throne, you will be repaid then when the gates open and they say, well done, my good and faithful servant. See, this is kind of what I feel. Are you guys with me? I can't tell because I know it's kind of heavy. That's what I feel like is happening right now in the season of life I'm in with our church. We're a church plant, if you don't know what that means. Basically, a group of us, if you see people wearing a volunteer T-shirt and there's some that you won't see, we are planting this church. What I mean is we are planting this seed in this community. And honestly, have you ever just stared and watched a plant grow? Probably not, because it takes forever, right? Unless you've like really drugged out and you're like sitting there for like three weeks in a row. And... <laughs> it just takes time. It takes time. You got to cultivate it. You got to water it. And Jesus says, listen, you do the work now. You be obedient in your faith because I'm not just for you. I am for you. The cross is for you, Kim. But it's for Lottie Dottie, everybody, and you got to be sharing it because the gospel was never intended just to come to you. It was meant to go through you. And you don't have an excuse to say that you're not going to share your faith. What you do is this. I love being a pastor because I have the stage and the lights and mics and sometimes I can say things that make me feel good about myself or they at least make me feel good to vent. But you expect guys like me to do everything. And then when I don't, you judge me, but you'll go look in the mirror and you're the exact same person. God, that felt good, man. But it's true. I mean, listen, we are in this together. I tell our team all the time that, hey, yeah, I'm the pastor and I am God's man for this church for, to, to shepherd and to lead. That does not mean I'm without fault or without error, but we are in this together. My job is to lead us, not to drag you. But I tell you the honest to God truth. There are some of you who find yourself in seasons where you're down and you better bet your last dollar, if you'll let me, I'd get in that ditch with you and drag your butt out. Jesus would. You will be repaid. What God is saying here is that, listen, it's going to be worth it, Ashley, if you'll share your faith. It'll be worth it. Verse 15. When one of those reclined at the table, remember there's a conversation going on, with him heard these things, he said to him, the one who will eat bread in the kingdom of God is blessed. Hear this man, he recognizes now that Jesus is saying, listen, if you'll be with me, if you'll share your faith, if you'll bring people to me, he gets that salvation is for everyone. Verse 16, listen, don't get confused with the pronouns. Then he, capital H, Jesus, said to the man 
who said being in the kingdom of God will be blessed. Then he told him, a man was giving a large banquet and invited many people. Verse 17. At the time of the banquet, he sent his slave to tell those who were invited, I love this, come because everything is ready. I want to talk with you for a minute about this thought. The gospel is not a cul-de-sac. The gospel is not a cul-de-sac. I grew up in Hunter's Trail, literally just like 200 yards that way or 100 yards. There's multiple cul-de-sacs there and there's one up top and we would go play basketball and cul-de-sacs were like a, an American phenomenon that people made because it gives this idea of safety, comfort. Even now, if you're looking at homes on the market, realtors will often promote a home. It's in a cul-de-sac. It's peaceful. You can raise your children there. And what's amazing about that cul-de-sac is this. It's a good way to keep strangers out of there, right? Because you only get there if you take a wrong turn or you come to a dead end. Many of you this morning, you're living a cul-de-sac faith. I can see from like this side of the room over here, you got it, what I just said. I can see it in your eyes. The gospel was never intended to be a cul-de-sac, and that's what we do, is we just receive it. I want to tell you something. In a couple weeks, I'm going to be taking a trip to Asia. This story may or may not be true. I don't want to feel guilty before I like really get you reeled in. Okay, so I'm going to be taking a trip to Asia. And I'm going to be meeting this physician over there who's been secretly working in this lab for a cure on cancer, of all cancers. And it's believed that this man has the answer, the ability in this lab with this, these, this formation of medicine, the molecules and everything that he's put together, he believes that he has a cure for cancer. And here's what's crazy. He's gonna let me go over there and get a thousand of those pills and bring them back. But I got bad news for you. I can't give you any of them because I live in a cul-de-sac and I want them all for myself. Now, let me ask you something. Does that sound absolutely ridiculous that I would not share if I had the answer to cure your sin and death? I don't even need to say what I'm saying then if you, if you understand that. You've got the cure. You've got what people need. Stop living in a cul-de-sac with the gospel. If I told you, I would, that's not a true story. I'm not going to Asia, by the way. But if I, if I were going there to get this pill that had all the answers to, to cure death, of, to prevent cancer, and I came back and said, you know what? I'm not giving it to anybody. You'd say, you're a selfish jerk. Would you not? What does that make you if you have the gospel and you can free people from an eternity, JB, separated from him? What does that make you? What does that make me when I don't share my faith? And let me just confess to you. There's times where people try to have spiritual conversations with me and I just don't want to. I just don't feel like it. I get it. I understand that. It's selfish and it's wrong. It's not pleasing to the Father. But what I'm saying is you have the ability to share and it doesn't have to be very educated, Tommy. You just have to say, hey, let me tell you what we need to get back to. We need to get back to the basics of this. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. 
The gospel is not a cul-de-sac. It was never intended to be that way. It's God wants to come into you and he wants to go through you. Mute my mic just for a second, please, and turn it back on when I tell you. Can you see this okay? No? Can we turn the lights up anymore? Is this it? Let me bring it closer. Everybody get out their cell phones. No, I'm kidding. How about that? Is that any better? You're going to have to deal with it if you can't see it. It's I They're going to check it. The gospel was never intended to be a cul-de-sac. They're going to try to turn some lights on. If not, just hang with me. Just listen by faith, not by sight. Amen. It's in... And it was good, brother. All right, no joke. Let me tell you why this is not all about me. Because someone you can't even see just went and did that, and if it weren't for him, you wouldn't be able to see. Everything and everyone here matters. The gospel is not intended to be a cul-de-sac. So what I want you to think about is this. You, okay? I want you to think about you. Now, if you're here this morning, you've not received Christ, you don't follow him, you're not even sure, that's okay. You can still imagine all right. I want you to imagine that the gospel has come to you. Maybe it's not imagined. Maybe you'd say, you know what, Pastor, I've received Christ. I know that he's in me. He lives with me. He guides me. Well, then here's you. And I want you to think about the, uh, the capability, the possibility that if you would let the gospel go through you and stop being in a cul-de-sac, what you, one person could do and how much you could change. So here's you. And let's just, this is hypothetical, Okay. Let's say you've got a friend that you can reach. You just share the gospel with them. And what that means is, hey, I just want to tell you what Jesus has been doing in my life. You don't have to be all super spiritual and weird and sit down at McDonald's and read the book of Leviticus. You can if you want to, but you can just call them and talk to them. You can just talk to them. And what happens is you begin to invest your faith into this person. And here's what happens. This person knows James, they know Sally, and they know Anna. And now because you've invested into one person, if they can get it, right? And can I just relieve some pressure for some of you? It's not your job to save people. Maybe if you understood that, you wouldn't have a problem sharing your faith. It's the Holy Spirit's job, so quit trying to be the Holy Spirit. You just share your faith. Jesus said, I'll build my church. Then he also said, make disciples. You know, if you say it together, it makes perfect sense. Jesus said, I'll build, my, I'll build my church, therefore you go make disciples. The outcome is his. The responsibility for you is to share your faith. So you begin to share your faith to this person. And it doesn't mean you're meeting up at 5.30 in the morning, but maybe you are. Or maybe you're going fishing together. Maybe you're grabbing a cup of coffee together. I don't know what it is, but if you can reach this person, you don't, you don't just let the gospel stay here. They can reach more people. And then it goes down here. And they know Peter. And Peter knows people that they don't know. And then over here, you've got another friend that you work with, and, uh, or you know, it's a high school friend or whatever it is. It's a lifelong friend. And, and they know, you know Tammy and Sue and, and Bobby. And you see, you get the picture here. If you would just begin to invest in like four people, how you could begin to change an entire community. You've got a family member who you know is jacked up and they need the gospel. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your, your son or your daughter or it's a cousin. It's a brother. It's a sister. And you begin to share your faith with them and they've got a friend 
who needs the gospel. And, and then they've got another family who's a long lost uncle up in Idaho. And I don't even know if the gospel's ever made it to Idaho yet, but... And then you've got a coworker, and they seem like a tough cookie. They don't ever want to hear about it. They don't ever want you to pray. You don't pray for your lunch in front of them because you feel awkward and, and weird. But if you just begin to invest and let the gospel go through you and just begin sharing, hey, this is what Jesus has done for me. This is who I am. And I'm not perfect. I just want you to know, but let me tell you about how good he is. Then they know other people and, and so forth. And you can see how if just you, I'm talking to you, you, Jasmine, I'm talking to you, Every individual in here, if you would do this, do you know what we could start in this city? Listen, hear me on this. Hold me, Jason. Don't let me fall. We could start a true revival in America. A true revival. Listen to me. I'm not talking about the one that you schedule a preacher on the calendar to be at Tuesday night, 630. I'm talking about the one where the Spirit of the Lord comes upon the place. I feel the Spirit of the Lord now. Revival would break out, but you can't be a cul-de-sac. You can't be a cul-de-sac. If you would just get serious about your faith and start sharing people, and here's the deal, you don't even have to be a preacher to do this. And can I be honest with you, this is not an excuse for you to be apathetic. That's a fancy word for being lazy. But if you would just start trying a little bit. If you would just say, this week, Pastor, I'm going to share my faith with one person. Think of the, oh my goodness, do you know what would happen if this started happening? This school, Clinton High School, could not contain what we're doing. And what you would tell, tell you what else would happen is I'm not really interested in building up my kingdom here. I'm interested in, in building up God's kingdom. And so we may, what I'm saying is this, as you begin to reach out to people that you don't even, you know this person, but they know this person, you don't know them. Now what that means is that only heaven will know the difference we're making. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. You've got to build, I, listen, I'm talking to I, I, you. Okay, I want to make sure everybody understands. I'm talking to you. I'm not talking about the educated, the wealthy. I'm talking about everybody in here, regardless of your status, regardless of how many scripture you can quote. I'm talking about you. Can I tell you something else that's pretty cool? Can I keep teaching for a minute? Psychologists have been Um, doing this study, and it's basically called the bystander effect. Anybody ever heard of it? There was a guy in Chicago, this is early February, his name is Marcus Gaines, early 30s. He goes to a 7-Eleven at 4 a.m. He's on camera, he goes in, he buys a bag of chips, and you can see it's in, it's in Chicago, so it's, there's all kinds of people out there at 4 a.m., he buys a bag of chips, and as he's exiting, there's a security guard out there, and a man immediately comes up and confronts the security guard, and Marcus Gaines really is just at the wrong place at the wrong time. And there, you, you can't hear the audio, but you can see there's this verbal dispute going on. And, and the clock is in the right-hand corner, and it happens in a matter of like 10, 30 seconds. And, and Marcus, this guy starts getting confrontational, and Marcus, he tries to run off to the right. So imagine, here's a store. There's a road going this way and a road going this way. It's a four-way and there's all kinds of people out there. And the guy chases Marcus like five feet into the street, clocks him, stiff, and passes out, and falls right in the street, knocked unconscious in the road. I'm telling you, don't watch the video, but literally five seconds later, two men come up and pickpocket him as soon as he's knocked out. 
It's crazy. It's almost like he hits the ground, and then they were just standing there ready to pounce on him. They rob him. He's still laying, still laying there unconscious. Now, here's what's incredible about it. All the while, people are just walking right by him on the sidewalk. They're just, I'm talking literally, they're walking right by him. And they see him. And this goes on for a couple minutes. I just counted to five in my head. Felt like a long pause. Imagine three minutes, someone laying there in the road. The store clerk, he calls 911 and he says, hey, there's someone been hit there. There's been an accident. You need to come. And you can tell like, you know, they live in that big city where they don't really want to rat on anybody, but he knows this guy needs help. And he's saying, hey, you need to come. You need to come quick. All the while, they're just walking by him. And Marcus Gain, he's just he's laying there unconscious. Not dead, just knocked out. I mean, hurt. And all these people, they're just walking by him. And so here's the store. He's on this road right here. There's a road right here, so the store sits at this angle. Does that make sense? And there's a red light, and there's all kinds of cars right here. And the light turns green, and they all go, and everybody's just walking by. And this cab comes up to the light and turns right, and on video, while humanity is sitting there watching, runs over him and kills him. It's called the bystander effect. You just stand by and watch your brothers and sisters perish into hell. Now listen, you may not be watching people getting ran over by a car. But I can't help but wonder, is the blood on our hands for some of the people that we're losing? Are you a bystander this morning? What are you doing? What are you doing to share your faith? Can I teach you one more thing? There's an organization, that's supposed to be a J, called the Joshua Project. Joshua Project. And they keep up with faith statistics globally. And it's really hard to say exactly, okay? So, like, don't leave here. And, like, if you hear something that's, like, two numbers different, think I lied to you, okay? But this is based off of their websites, thejoshuaproject.com. They believe right now, listen to me, hang in here. They believe right now there are 6,550 people groups that have no knowledge of the name of Jesus. They've never heard his name. They don't know about the cross. They don't know that there's hope for their sins. Listen, that's people groups. Groups, not 6,500 people. That's ethnic groups. The Joshua Project believes right now that 1.75 billion, with a B, are lost and dying and spending eternity separated from Jesus because they don't know his name. Billion, 1.75 billion people. They've never even heard the name of Jesus. This morning it's being proclaimed over you and what will you get out and do this week with it? What will you do to make a difference?
Ah, Pastor, I don't really feel comfortable sharing my faith. You need to get over yourself. You need to get over yourself. God, you need to get over yourself. I'm not really comfortable, and I don't really know anybody. Get out in the street and meet somebody. 1.75 billion right now as we speak. They've never heard his name. And yet as the pastor of this church, I proclaim it over you this morning. How will you respond? How will you respond? How will you respond? I want to keep that right there because I don't want that to be on the front of your mind. The gospel is not intended to be a cul-de-sac. We must get out and share our faith. Let me tell you what happens as we continue on in the story. Verse 18. But without exception, they all begin to make excuses. They all begin to make excuses. Jesus says, hey, tell them that everything's ready. The house is ready. Our setup team has put up the pop and drape. The production team has put everything together. We've got city kids ready. But they all begin to make excuses why they won't invite someone or why they won't share their faith. The first one said to him, I have bought a field and I must go and see it. I ask you to excuse me, hypothetically. You're looking for a piece of property. If you're with me, say I am. You're looking for a piece of property, and I say, hey, man, I know where an acre is up by North Lake, and I'll sell it to you for $10,000. If anybody's been looking for property, would you say $10,000 for an acre lot in the lake is a good deal? Absolutely. And you say, hey, I'll take it. So you give me $10,000, I write you a deed, and you go driving up by the lake, and I, I tell you, hey, listen, I've got an acre lot right by the lake. You give me $10,000, you drive up there, and you say, hey, Reverend, uh... There is no acre lot here on the lake. And I said, no, 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 no. I told you it was right by the lake, 30 minutes up towards Union County, by Big Ridge. <laughs> Thanks for the transaction. Have a good day. You would never buy a piece of property without viewing it, would you? Would you? And so look what he says here. I've bought a field and I must go and see it. Uh, Jesus, I'd love to share my faith, but I don't really have time. It's crazy what we do. That's ridiculous. You would never buy a piece of property and never go look at it. They all, it says they all. That's everybody. We all make excuses. Listen to uh, verse 19. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to go try them out, sir. So I ask you, excuse me, anybody ever buy stuff on Craigslist? Don't be ashamed. It's cool, man. You may have bought some of my stuff. I sell it. How many of you, if you were going to buy a car from Craigslist, you would just send them a little money through PayPal and meet them in two days later and then test drive the car? How many would do that? Why? Because it's foolish and ridiculous. You would never do such a thing. And we make up the dumbest excuses. No way would this guy go out and buy these animals and pay God knows how much back then and say, uh, now I've got to go try them out. You wouldn't go buy a car without test driving it, would you? Yet you'll make up the same dumb excuses not to share your faith. Well, I just work with everybody that's believers, and or I'm a stay-at-home mom, and all my friends are Christians. Boo. You need new friends. Crazy. They all begin to make excuses. Now listen, though. If anybody, if anybody with an excuse is telling the truth, it's this next guy in verse 20. And another said, hey, 
I just got married, and therefore, my life's over. I can't make it. <laughs> Man, you feel me? Don't leave me hanging up here like that. If anybody's telling the truth, it's this. Now, seriously, though, what young couple wouldn't love to go to a social event? See, the gospel's not about me. I can't continue to make excuses. Let me tell you something. Like, I want, I want you to hear this, and I want you to know this with conviction and passion. Your excuses mean jack crap to Jesus. They're not good enough. You can convince yourself and lie to yourself about how special you are, but they're not good enough to him. See, he has a high standard for your life. And when you get to the end of me, you begin to experience all that he wants for you and the joy. Listen, raise your hand if you have. If you've ever shared your faith, and I'm not talking about you led someone to Christ, but man, you just gave God glory for what he did in your life and you just felt like you drew a little bit closer to him. Can you raise your hand? Because it feels good to speak of it. We testify with his spirit that he's our father. I just did a little pistol thing right here. I don't even know what that was about, but it feels good. It feels good. The gospel's not about me. So the second thing that I want to talk with you about is this. We can make excuses or we can make a difference, but we cannot do both. We can make excuses or we can make a difference, but we cannot do both. Amen. According to scripture, we all make excuses. Can I just, man, listen, what time is it? Don't look. We're still going to get out before all the Baptists. That's why we meet at 10.30, so don't worry. <laughs> I want to just cast some vision for just give me like five more minutes, maybe seven if I'm feeling it. I desire for this church, I want you to hear this from me so you know. I desire for our church to make a difference, not only in this community, but let me tell you what's really incredible about this. We have people from West Knoxville, Sweetwater, Sevier County, uh, Oneida in the house. You know they need Jesus up there. <laughs> Andersonville. It's crazy where people are coming from to hear the gospel here. And what we want to do is this, not just build our kingdom up here, but we want to equip the saints and send them back out to affect where they live, work, and play. And I'm tired of making excuses. I'm tired of making excuses. I'm, I want to make a difference. That's why I put my family on the sacrifice of altar to start this church so that we could reach people like you that would join us together on mission to make God famous and give him glory in East Tennessee. Now listen, there may not be 6,500 people groups in East Tennessee who've never heard the name of Jesus, but I guarantee you there are people in this area who don't call him by the name of Jesus. Amen. Could you imagine this? Listen, hang with me. Could you imagine this? We all get on board together. We get serious about our faith. I'm talking to everybody in here. You're thinking, whoa, brother, this is my first time here. We'd love to see you next week. There are no strangers here. And we say, if you come twice, it makes you a regular. So just come on back next week and we'll just sign you up. Could you imagine if we all got on mission together? And listen, we got serious about our faith. We got serious about our faith. And we've got a brother in the back who did the welcome and he helped with the baptism and he'll be doing the closing. He preached last week and we're gonna help him plant a church in a couple months or really depending upon God's time, maybe a little longer, maybe a little less. We're not putting a time on what God wants to do, but we're gonna send him out to start another church. And what if we all got on mission together and we put our money where our mouth is and we begin investing in other churches to start more churches. And from right here in this city, we started an epidemic, a movement 
just in our region here. Listen, listen, those who've been with me from the beginning, what if we begin to plant a church in every county in Tennessee? In two weeks, I'm flying, this is a true story. In two weeks, I'm flying down to the Dominican Republic to see if we can begin partnering with international missions. What if we begin to send missionaries out from this church right here? What if people in our, what if people in our community, I don't know if I'm gonna, what I wanna do here, but I'm straining a little bit. I can't decide if I wanna get down on my knees or walk and crawl, but what if we begin to send missionaries around the globe and I'm talking missionaries like you, it's you, you're living a normal life, but you begin to be obedient to what God wants to do and you say, hey, I'm gonna make a difference and not an excuse and we send you out to the deepest, darkest land to share the gospel. And what if people in our communities begin to say, hey, that church right there is on fire for God. They're sending people across the seas. They're sending people five minutes down the road. They're multiplying. They've got a heart for other people. What if we did that? And I believe we can do it. And you need to know this, man. You need to know this. If I did not think we could, I would not be here. I would not stand here and preach. I would not lead the way that I do. If I did not think that God was bigger and better than what we see right now. I've got the preacher's sweat going on like y'all don't know what right now. <laughs> what if we did that? And what if God said, hey, will you be a part of it? And you said, Isaiah 6, 8, here I am, Lord, send me. I'm tired of being fake. I'm tired of being apathetic. I'm tired of being lazy. I'll do it. You can make excuses or you can make a difference. But my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, you cannot do both. Will you join me? Hey, if you want to make a difference, just get up and walk across the room and tell somebody about Jesus. All the excuses have been made. Verse 21. So the slave came back and reported these things to his master. Listen, then in anger, the master of the house told his slave, go out quickly because there's got to be a sense of urgency. Go out quickly into the streets, into the alleys of the city and bring in here the poor, the, the maimed, the blind, the lame. Listen to where Jesus tells him to go. To the streets and the alleys. What kind of people are there? The poor, the lame. Go there. He says, go out quickly. I'm wondering this morning, listen, will you go out quickly when you leave here? I mean, listen, you'll praise his name. And I think a lot of you, you're receiving what God is speaking today. But what will you do on Monday morning? What are you going to do? And I want you to know that's what I'm talking about here. Is what are you going to do with your life? Not just in this moment. January 21st, 2009, at midnight in my driveway. My life changed in that moment, but I've been on the same path ever since then. does not mean I've been perfect, but I said I had decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back, no turning back. I sing, JB, my soul, my flesh may be weak, but God, your spirit is strong in me. And though it may fail, I know that you never will. We got to go out quickly. There's got to be a sense of urgency. See, I don't think y'all understand what I'm trying to get here. Maybe you do. Maybe you do. Listen to this quote. This is by a man named David Livingston. He's a missionary to Africa. He says, sympathy is no substitute for action. Basically what he's saying here is this. You know people in your life that you can begin to share your faith with and you feel really bad for not doing it, but your feelings do not trump or trump your faith. They do not. Because listen, faith is not a feeling. Can I be honest with you? Not that I would lie. 
I would tell you if I'm going to lie like I did the other story. Faith is not based off of feelings because there's sometimes I don't feel God in my life. There's sometimes I'm not aware of his presence. Do you know what I mean? But my faith tells me that my hope is in what I cannot see and often what I cannot feel. So just because you have sympathy, it is no substitute for action. This is a man named Keith Wright. He said, lost people matter to God and so they should matter to us. I love this. Listen, this is C.T. Studd. It says, some wish to live within the sound of a chapel bell. I wish to run a rescue mission within a yard of hell. Where are you sitting at this morning? Where are you sitting at? I wish to run a rescue mission within a yard of hell. This is beautiful right here. Don't get distracted. Oswald J. Smith says this. We talk of the second coming of Christ. We talk of the second coming in church all the time, yet 1.75 billion have never even heard of the first one. What are you doing? What are you doing? Verse 22. It says, Master, the slave said, what you have ordered has been done. And listen, listen, there's still room. I want you to look at the empty seat beside you. You know someone you could bring to sit in it. You know someone you could begin sharing your faith with. You know it. We've done what you said, Lord, and there's still room. Verse 23, then the master told the slave, listen, go out into the highways and the lanes. Some say the highways, the byways. Some say go out to Bryceville and Andersonville, way out there. Listen, and listen what it says here. Listen, it says, and make them come in. I love it. Some translations say urge them or compel them. Compel them. Paul said, I'm obligated. I feel compelled to preach the gospel. For me, if I don't speak of his name, I go insane. Hillary, do you know what I'm talking about? When, when, I can't, when I can't speak the Father's name, it drives me insane. It begins to cultivate something in me that's not of him. And he says, listen, make them come in. Do you know what Jesus is saying here? You've got to be aggressive with your faith and stop being passive. Go into the highways and lanes and make them come in. Listen, so that my house may be filled. Don't judge me because I want a big church. Blame it on Jesus. Check this out. Verse 24, he says, For I tell you, not one of those men who were invited will enjoy my banquet. And what Jesus is talking about here is those men that originally that he went out to ask and they all made excuses. Now listen, maybe you're here this morning and you've made an excuse not to accept the gospel. And the next step for you is to receive it. God wants to give it to you. Maybe you're here this morning and you would say, you know what? That's me. You know it. You've always made excuses. Your faith is a joke compared to what you want it to be. And I'm asking you, I'm proclaiming as a messenger of the gospel, will you come to the end of me this morning? Because listen, God is for you. He is. He is. But God is not just for you. He's for everyone. Church, pray with me. 
Father, in Jesus' name, we pray this morning. We ask that you would just speak to our hearts. There are those of us, there are those of us who want to, God, make excuses because we feel uncomfortable or we feel, God, not worthy or we don't understand. It's our pride, it's our doubt, it's our insecurity. And and, and Holy Spirit, we ask right now that you would just speak to us and, and let us know who is the one that we need to be sharing our faith with. How can we begin to live on mission where we live, work, and play? And Father, for those of us who are in here that don't know you, would you take up residence in our heart right now? And listen, church, if you would say you're here this morning, if you would say you're here this morning, and you've never received the gospel, but you know that Jesus is calling you to a greater life in him, eyes closed, every head is bowed. If you say, Pastor, that's me. I want to receive the gospel this morning. Would you just slowly raise your hand up? God bless you. God bless you. Hands are up all over the house. I see you and your Father in heaven does as well. Lord, this morning we ask that you give us faith. God, that where we are weak, that you would make us strong, that you would raise us up, Lord, that you would raise us up a generation here would make a difference and bring revival that we would share your good name to those who need it. Church, stand with me as we celebrate and sing that. And I may be weak but your spirit is strong in me My flesh may fail but my God you never will Thanks for choosing to connect with City Lights to our podcast. We are so encouraged by all that God is doing in this ministry. And if you've been blessed through our ministry, please send us your story to mystory@citylightsac.org to share it with us. Also, if you'd like to financially partner with us, please visit us on the web at citylightsac.org and click the giving tab. Thanks again for choosing to connect with us.